Hello, and welcome to Fails, Falls, and Fuck-Ups. Now, today is going to be a little bit of a departure. Normally, I talk to somebody about all of their fuck-ups and how that has helped them shape them towards their success and growth and all of that stuff. But today, I've got an intimacy and relationship expert. And so instead of talking about her mistakes and failures, and I am very sure that she's had a vast amount of those, we're going to be talking about the generalized mistakes and failures that you, the people, the person looking for love in all the wrong places, the person trying to connect with another human being and absolutely blowing it. We're going to talk about the mistakes that get made in that realm and how you can avoid them. Joining me now in a very amused state is Jaina Swan. Jaina, how are you? Hi, Bruce. It's so good to see you again. I'm doing wonderful today. It's great to see you too. We met at PodFest this year and we, we, we bonded. And out of that, you shall be delivered so much pain. So much pain. So, Jaina, you are an intimacy expert. You are a relationship expert. You help people connect. Let's start off big and broad. What, in your learned estimation, is the big mistake? If you were to pick one mistake of them all, the granddaddy or the grandmommy, who knows, the grand person of them all, what is that mistake? I would say the biggest mistake both men and women bring to the dating realm that gets them falling flat on their face and failing over and over and over is the desperate energy of, I need a relationship now, and it has to be you. But I do need a relationship now, and it has to be you. Who else is there right now? <laughs> it is. It, what I mean is like people come in and they're like, oh, you're perfect. You're ideal. Yes. And they like, let me worship you. I'll drop everything I'm doing and schedule around you and all of these different. And that energy is just not what attracts people. It actually repels them. So it's a huge mistake that everybody makes. Now, would you say the driver of that feeling is personal desperation? Is it more of a physical attraction thing or an emotional need thing? I think it's a bit of both. If we looked at the surface level, people often, they try and date up. If we're, if we're like putting people on a scale of one to 10, you know, that's a typical thing. They're like, they always want to date up. They want to date that eight, nine or 10. And they might be, you know, visually speaking, maybe a five, six or seven, because they just haven't prioritized their health or their fitness. But then again, like the problem is when you bring that energy to where you're like, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. You're so great. You're so, oh, if I could just go on a date with you, if you would just text me back, like when you bring that energy, nobody wants to be around somebody who has that kind of an energy. But I do think it's even deeper than just how we look, right? It goes deeper to like people want that internal validation. They want to feel like they're worthy of something. And most of us carry that unworthiness. So it shows up in this way and it shows up in our energy. Where do you think that sense of unworthiness comes from? Ooh, we're going deep fast here. Look at you. I waste no time. <laughs> I love it. Um, honestly, it's different for everybody. A lot of people experience childhoods where their parents just didn't see them or they were so focused on working or 
you know, they, you know, maybe they were into drugs or something and it's like they were just the second thought. So it starts in childhood a lot of times. But I truly think that we live in a society now where consumerism is so prevalent and we are programmed by consumerism. So these companies make a lot of money off of us feeling unworthy because if I can buy a car that makes me feel better or I can go buy a phone that makes me look cool or I can go buy an outfit that people are going to think I'm popular and like give me that validation, right? It's going to fill that gap of unworthiness for a small bit. So companies don't want us to know that you, the listener, you are inherently worthy no matter what you look like, no matter how much money you make, no matter anything, like you being a human are worthy. And these companies don't want you to know that because then you're going to stop trying to fill the void with alcohol and food and things, right? So I think that's it's built into society, but it, it's a big problem. And what's your take on how social media has begun to affect these feelings? Because prior to the world of Instagram, where everybody is living their best life, even when they're not actually living the life they're presenting, suddenly you're not seeing the world through normal eyes. You're just seeing incredibly attractive people who are having all of this fun, everything that's not available to you because you've got to go to work and you don't have these luxuries at your fingertips, which, you know, these influencers seem to have. Do you feel that has made a difference? Oh my gosh. Absolutely. That is like the pinnacle of things shifting and becoming like 10 times worse just because you you pinpointed all of it. Like you hit the nail on the head with that. These influencers are given new outfits all the time. So they present as if they're always buying new things. So now these young women are convinced that they always have to have something new. They can't rewear an old outfit. Or we look at these ideal perfect I'm quoting in the air right now, perfect relationships that it's like they only ever show you the good days, the highlight reels, the travel, the, you know, all these things, but they don't show you what happens behind closed doors. And that's something I talk to my clients about a lot because they're always like, oh, I ask who's your, who's your model relationship? Like, who do you look up to? Who around you, whether it's your parents or someone online almost always it's some sort of celebrity couple online that they see that's phenomenally, you know, all these things, they just look pretty and travel. And, and I'm like, cool. Like you do realize they're probably not having sex. They're probably fighting all the time. They're probably like, they have shit behind closed doors too, but that doesn't sell. And so they can't, they don't put that online. I do think it skews relationships to where when they come up with a issue or they just disagree on something. And then they're like, oh, the whole relationship, throw it out. Like, it's not perfect. He's not perfect. It's not my ideal man, or we would never argue. And it's like, no, like, that's normal. And, and I just don't think people know what normal is anymore because we're so programmed into seeing what we see on social media. Now that brings a very direct question. What in your estimation defines normal? What is normal? Ooh, well, no, that's such a good question. Um, I think, God, what is normal? I don't even know because I, I like to think I'm not normal, but I kind of think I am normal, but then I don't, I'm not like everyone else. So I, I don't, I don't know what normal really is. I think that ultimately, God, what is normal? I don't even know. Like, I think just humans, if, if you can, anything, I, that's such a good question. Oh my gosh. I'm like fumbling because what is normal? 
I like to tell people all the time they're not broken because most people think they are. Most people think, oh, I've, I've either messed up in the past or I have, you know, this thing that makes me different. And because of that, they think they're not normal. But at the same time, like if you look at everyone and you really, really look at under the hood, like we all have something. We all have things. So many things. Right. I mean, we're, we're all normal. But like what even is? I don't know. I think weird is normal. I think, you know, oddness is normal. I think stumbling through words, not knowing what to say is normal. I think fear of getting on stages and talking to people is normal. I think picking yourself apart in photos because you don't look how whatever, I think that's normal. Having fear going into the bedroom, even when it's your partner of 10 years that you've done this a million times is normal. I think having performance issues in the bedroom is normal. Like all of these things are so normal just because they're not talked about, people don't realize it. I think that's a very valid point. I want to take this into a little bit of an, another direction. After all, the whole idea of failures and trying to use your failures to get successful, one of the things that I've come to realize is there's a little bit of a divide in how both men and women, now granted, now we have an entire spectrum, but for the sake of simplicity mm -hmm. in this part of the conversation, we're just going to be going with the idea of men relating to women and women relating to men. When I would talk to my male friends, because clearly I mostly spoke to males about dating experiences because I was a male and they had a very specific take on women and what dating was like from their perspective and how they were trying to relate to women and what they felt women wanted from them. But on the woman's side, there's an entire same thing just with different things filling the particular nouns. How do we have that conversation? Um, no, I hear you loud and clear. This is what I hear from people. And I talk to people about all the time. So going to invite our brothers and sisters who are outside of binary definitions into this conversation too, because we do live on a spectrum, but at the end of the day, all of us have two energies. We have the yin and the yang. So we have the masculine and we have the feminine. And I know those words are a little triggering because they seem binary. They are not. But what I'm getting to is the masculine energy is a very logical energy. It's all about what I think, what I think, what I think, what I think. I think she this. I think typically it would be male predominantly taking that masculine energy. But even if you're looking at a same-sex relationship, they still have these same things, right? Mm -hmm. So that masculine presence is I think, I think, I think. The feminine is I feel. So the feminine is emotionally driven while the masculine is logically driven. So if we, if we start to look at that, how we bridge the gap is recognize which of these two energies you predominantly live in. Now, if we are going back to speaking to heterosexual beings who are um, a man and a woman coming together, typically a man is going to embody a lot of the masculine. They're going to be very logically thinking and um, very visual human beings, very visual creatures. They like a woman who looks a certain way and, and such. But then if we flip it to the women, they're very emotional. They want to feel a certain way. They want to experience. So. I hear you is that a lot of the conversations are basically the same, but just reversed on both sides, right? So I spent 18 months working with just women and then 18 months working with just men. And now I'm, I'm back to working with couples or people in, in different areas. But 
I've seen both sides of the fence, right? Most men feel like they're being used for their money. Most women feel like they're a vessel for a man's sexual pleasure. So it can be very difficult, but to bridge that gap, like you're asking, how do we kind of like get there is like, take that step back and take that opportunity to try and put yourself in their shoes. So if you tend to lean into your masculine, if you tend to think about it in that way, take a step back and be like, okay, if I was a woman, how might I feel? And then t- like kind of give it that look, right? Because if you take that opportunity, I as a woman have sat back and been like, if I was a man and I was going on dates and always paying for the dates and then I wasn't getting what I inherently wanted, which was the physical on the other side, like how would that make me feel? I would feel taken advantage of probably. Yeah, I would feel, you know, and so I like put myself in that shoe. Same thing goes for, you know, I encourage men all the time is like to, to understand the deeper purpose, right? Is when we start to make it transactional is when it gets messy. When you think, well, I bought dinner. So now you should fill in the blank. Or I showed up for you and I dressed a certain way and I did my hair, my nails and whatever. So you should blank. Like when we put the should in there, we're shaming. We're saying like, here's my expectation and you fell short of that. Instead of like opening that dialogue. And I think a lot of things could be solved if we just communicated a little better. And we said, hey, this is how I'm feeling. Like I've paid for the dates the last couple of times and, you know, we haven't done anything. And I, I really... the sexual aspect is or the physical is really important to me but I don't want you to feel like an object so can we talk about this can we split these halvesies or my big go-to is whoever brings up the idea of the date is the one that should be paying not automatically fall on the man she should not be like hey let's go on a date and then have him pay that in my mind just doesn't those are crossed wires but It's tough when you're trying to think about all this, but if if you want to know more, definitely dive into learning more about the yin and the yang and figuring out what is your predominant side and then explore the opposite, right? Because sometimes we have a harder time when we're used to thinking logically, trying to get into that emotional place. And then when we are an emotional person, it can be a little hard to think logically, but like that's the, that's the challenge, right? You want to get out of that and just think, what are you saying internally? I think they blank, 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 or I feel they blank, blank, blank. And that's going to let you know I feel is the feminine in the heart and I think is the masculine in the mind. Does that help? I do want to start by saying that I want to be clear that I'm not viewing everything just from a masculine feminine side. I frame it that way be simply because that is my frame of reference. I'm a cis straight guy. But most of everything we're talking about fits for everyone on the spectrum. Just want to start by saying that. Now, with that being said, I want to talk about the whole idea of masculine and feminine roles. So I want to ask you, Jaina, is it damaging to have societal expectations on how you're supposed to be masculine or you're supposed to be feminine, that there's a certain degree of a man should be a man and a woman. Well, she should be a woman. I do think that society's projection on us of what masculine and feminine are has gotten very out of hand. And it's extremely far off from what the the ancient text is what I'll call it has says about what truly masculine and feminine are. What I often hear is people attribute what is the termed the toxic masculine 
is what people think of when they hear masculine. And what that means is a man who leans into the masculine energy and completely shuts down his feminine. He does not allow himself to cry. He doesn't allow himself to feel. He, you know, because he proverbially grew up likely with a male figure. He says, shut shut up, suck it up. Like, don't cry. Those things, right? Be a man. What? No. Like when I am using the term masculine, I am thinking more of the, what we call the conscious masculine. You're being a man by being able to sit down and hold space as your girlfriend, wife, or partner cries, and you don't have to fix anything. Being able to just sit there with her and hold her and let her know you're safe, you're protected, I hear you, I validate your feelings, that is a man. That is a man. That is a full-blown fucking masculine man. Most toxic men those who have the suck it up and be a man, like they don't know how to listen. They don't know how to sit in those kind of pains without being like, well, tell her to, to do this. Or, or they always try to fix it. They're, you don't have to fix anything. She wants to be heard. She wants to be able to just get it out and have you just hold her and be like, it's okay. And some men see that softness as not being a man. But the truth is that that is really, truly beneficial. And that's what we need more of. Same thing goes on the flip side. When they attribute the feminine, being a feminine woman, it doesn't necessarily mean what people think of like, she has to dress a certain way or look a certain way. Like, sure, sometimes that can be attributed to it. But the feminine is flow. It's creativity. And these gym bros that you might be referring to likely also have the ability to go home and journal for hours or you know they can go like creating a podcast is very creative work or maybe they're in digital design or maybe they you know they their minds are going a million miles an hour so creativity is very feminine being able to flow and not have to follow a rigid schedule that's feminine but it's the fact that like people say oh she's a feminine woman and she's not and it's just based on a visual that's that's the hard part is a lot of people base these visuals but truly it's it's that there's the rigidness behind these terms that have been messed up by society by putting movie characters as like the pinnacle of this is a masculine man no it is not or this is a feminine woman like no we we can have really good flow between like you can have a partner who has a lot of direction, knows where they're going in their job, in their work, their career, right? And they, they're the leader in their business. And they're, that's a very masculine position. Now think of this, let's put a woman in that role. She is a, a C-class executive in a business. She is the one in charge. She's running the business, very masculine at work. And then she comes home, she lets her hair down, she like breathes, goes, takes a bubble bath, hangs out with the kids and, you know, and gets to be softer, more gentle. That's her feminine coming out. Like we can ebb and flow, right? Like we don't have to be one or the other. And in fact, I think both men and women, they develop issues and toxicity and mental issues when we try to be one too much. Like if I'm we're too much in our masculine or too much in our feminine and we don't allow the other side. There's a harmony. That's why the yin and yang symbol has both, right? 
you have mostly black on one side with a small dot of white and mostly white on the other side with a small dot of black because both beings come together, but they need both. So I think that the trouble is when we label masculine without understanding the intricacies of these energies, which is why it can be very difficult to do a surface level conversation using these. And I highly recommend anybody listening that's intrigued, go and do some research on this stuff. Because when you realize the lists of what these two energies have, like you're going to go down the list and be like, oh, I've got this and I've got this and I've got this and this. And you'll realize you are both. You ebb and flow between both. Maybe when you go on vacation, you like to have an itinerary and you like to know what am I doing on each day? How do I, you know, plan for that? Or you go on vacation, you're like, oh, go with the flow, whatever happens. Like, you know, a, a lot of men do that. And they like, oh, the wife will plan it. I'm just going to show up, give me a beer, like, let me hang out. Like, that's actually feminine because that's them going with the flow. And that is a feminine trait versus in that moment, you're whoever's planning the trip is the one in the masculine taking control, scheduling. So I think that just the way that society has us see masculine and feminine can be damaging, especially when that bleeds over into dating. And then we've got women who are like, I want a masculine man. And then they go so far to the other side and they're like looking for the gym bro or they're looking for like these people. And they don't realize that comes with negative territory as well. Like that can turn into violence that can turn into being belittled that can turn into these negative things and same thing when men want the very feminine woman but then they don't realize that that means she's never going to step up and take the lead she's never going to make a decision because decision making is a masculine trait so when you ask her a million times what she wants to eat for dinner yet you want her to be a feminine woman like that's literally the opposite so it's it's the the idea that we have to learn to ebb and flow and that both are good and that there's there's no right and wrong and that it's okay to both feel and to think because if we just feel in this world you're never going to have a plan and you're always going to be lost and then if you only ever think in this world you're never going to feel anything and you're going to end up with a life that isn't as fulfilling so now to go into a slightly different direction let's get back into dating a little bit mm-hmm well, dating has been highly, heavily affected by the Tinderization. Back in the olden days, we had neighborhoods that we knew people in and we were connected to a group of people, a much larger group of people who we saw in person. We were introduced through friends or through family to other people whom we might develop interests in. And this was sort of how relationships worked back in the days before technology. But Technology has reared its advancing head, and not only that, but urban sprawl has spread us out from concentrations of social groups to where we now are a little more isolated. And out of that, we got online dating, which is self-service blind dating. Mm -hmm. And that has even simplified itself into this effective slot machine, which most online dating apps have become, where it's sort of like, oh, dude, she's hot. Yep, her. No, not her, not her, her, or him, 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 or whatever flavor you happen to like. To call it surface level is an insult to most surfaces. It is so, oh God, I can't even think of a good way of saying it since I already used up surface level. It's so superficial that it creates an environment 
of failure, unless you are unbelievably attractive. Oh, even when you're unbelievably attractive. How do we deal with that as modern day human beings just wanting to connect to another human being? Um, I am not a proponent of telling people to do online dating. I'll just go ahead and preface with that. I always tell people, live life as you would. Be you. Just be happy and do the things you love and meet people along the way. That is the absolute best way to sift through all the bullshit. I'm not saying it doesn't work for people. I just don't think it's the best bet. I think the best bet is if you're into comic books, go to Comic-Con. Meet someone there. If you're into rock climbing, go rock climbing and meet people there. If you're into knitting, go find a knitting club and go hang out there once a week and meet people there. Like, don't go to bars and don't go to dating apps because the intention is wrong. Because what happens? You meet someone cool, you start hanging out with them, and then they're now in this relationship and you realize like, oh, I'm not really compatible with where you're going in life. And it's like, oh, you you have habits that I don't really care for. Like, online dating is just real tough. Uh, when it comes to those things, I wouldn't recommend, but again, it works. Like it just depends on what you're looking for. I spoke to someone over the weekend who had gone on multiple hundreds of online dates through dating apps and he ended up meeting his current partner of a year on a dating app. And I was like, dude, how'd you do it? Like, he's like, well, I went through hundreds of them. His advice, not my advice, but his advice was always just offer a drink. Because then you're not forking out for a full meal, right? And you don't have to, you know, sit there for an hour with someone that you don't even know if you click. So it was always to start with a drink and then talk for four or five minutes or so, maybe 10, 15. And then by the end of it, either say, thank you, I really appreciated that. Or, hey, would you like to grab dinner? Are you hungry? And you can extend it, right? So just trying in that sense. Um, but online dating is real tough because you're never the only one talking to that person. And you have, there's such a level of trust that once you do start actually talking to that person, like, are they going to stop talking to all these other people? Are you the one that they're choosing? Uh, did they delete their app? Is their app running in the background? Are they still going to that DM inbox because it feels good to them to get hundreds of people tell them they're good looking? And, you know, like, there's a lot of deep rabbit holes that can come with online dating. So just be real careful. But at the end of the day, Put your best foot forward, update your pictures every three to six months, make sure they reflect you, write a bio that actually talks about who you are. And when you're going to someone's site, you think they're, they're cool, you like want to potentially hang out, don't say, hey, please don't say, hey, she gets that all the time, especially if she's good looking, find something in her profile and talk about that. Like if she mentions a trip, if you saw a picture of her on a trip or something like, hey, it looked like you were probably in, I don't know, the Bahamas. How was that? Oh, it wasn't the Bahamas. It was this. Oh, cool. Tell me about it. Like talk about something and like with substance, right? You're talking about being engaged with who the person really is. Yes. Uh, to throw in a little with my experience with online dating, because I found two significant relationships through online dating at various points. And my methodology was... Not the cheapest, but it was the one that I firmly believe in, which was I would read her profile and I would read it a couple times to get a sense of who she was and determine whether, okay, here's somebody whom I see a potential of actually liking. Mm -hmm. And I would try to find something of a common ground and make 
an email outreach on that. When I'd ask on the date, I didn't do the drink or the dinner. I did everything in my power not to just sit there and talk to somebody because I always felt that was the kiss of death. I figured I wanted to entertain myself regardless. So I was happy paying for a date going to shoot pool or go bowling or go to Dave and Buster's. It needed to be something with an activity. And there was a couple reasons for that. One, if I went on an activity with you, whoever you are, hi. If we go out on an activity together, we have a lot to talk about without having to talk about the numerous failed relationships we have with going in without ever touching on my mother issues or your daddy issues or your mother issues and my daddy issues. We probably have both, but we don't need to get into that within five minutes of meeting each other. If we shoot pull mm -hmm. over 50 to 75% of our conversation is going to be about pull. And then I got to do something that I felt was important for me. I would get to observe this person who I'm meeting and effectively giving like the, the quick interview on, hey, would I like to be intimate with you? Would I like to be involved with you? I'm trying to get a sense of that immediately. And talking to you doesn't get me that sense. You're on your best behavior. You are trying to impress me or you're vomiting out whatever the latest bad thing in your life was. But if we're shooting pool, now I can observe you. I can see how do you respond to light competition? Is it important to you? Is it not important to you? Can you have fun? For myself, I needed somebody who was absolutely able to just have fun and be in the moment. And these were the important things. So by doing the activity, by going to the batting cages, by going mini golf, and yes, some of this sounds like we're dating at 19 years old, but if that's a problem for you, you're the wrong person for me to begin with. And that was my methodology. I would go on these dates and I accepted that I was going to pay for them. I was happy to do so. And the important thing was this, it didn't matter if I got anything out of them or not, because I could have fun shooting pool. I could have fun having going bowling. So it wasn't like, well, if she doesn't really like me and if she doesn't kiss me, then I totally completely didn't get anything out of it. It wasn't like that. Right. It was very much like, okay, it didn't work out, but I had fun, you know, playing pool. And that made a difference because the intent of the evening for me was to have fun with a new person I met and fun did not have sexual connotations. If that date went well, we would then have another and then it would be okay to go get food or it'd be okay to get like a dessert or something afterwards. But the emphasis wasn't to sit there and just talk and try to be like, so what colors do you like in the morning? Because that's an interview, right? Yeah. Exactly. I love that you brought that up. I love that. It, no, it, it's so good because I think it's what I was alluding to at the beginning is what I tell people is go do things that you enjoy doing and meet yeah. people along the way. I love that you met them on, on an app probably and then invited them to do this thing that you already love doing, right? So it's exactly what I was talking about. And the idea is just that, like your intention is everything. If you go in with sexpectations you're likely going to fall flat on your face and you're not going to get it because she can feel that. She can feel this is transactional, but you're going in with, I just want to have fun shooting pool. Yeah. And so here you are. She's probably like, oh, this is really chill. Like, th I like this guy. This is cool because he's not pressuring me. He's not making me feel like he's buying me a dinner in exchange for whatever afterwards, right? I love that you did that. So good. Well, my philosophy was if somebody likes you, if things are going well, 
sex will come at some point. It didn't need to come on the first or second or, or third date. There was no particular pressure. The only thing that I would do at the end of the first date is at the end, I would lean in for a kiss. And it was basically just as a imperfect, quick gauge of whether... Temp check. Yeah, just a temperature check. If the person kissed back, then it seemed like there was a potential for something to be there. If they turned their head, if they had a, a weird reaction, then that seemed like it would not be going somewhere. Now, that's not a perfect gauge. Right. It's just when you're online dating, you have to shortcut in some ways. And were there girls, you know, turn their cheek on the first date? That could have been something good, possibly. This imperfect method at least gave me enough data to go like, okay, there's a potential for something here. But I never went, like, I never tried to, to make out with somebody. I never, it was just sort of like a goodnight kiss. Yep. Everything else would come if you were having fun, if if there if you felt the chemistry. The other thing for me, because I think um, you should always have the permission to go, I'm not feeling it. Mm-hmm. You may not have another date on the horizon. You might be afraid that you never will. But the wrong person is the wrong person. And it's okay for you to realize that this is the wrong person. And it's okay for you to go, all right, I'm just going to get my buddies and we're going to go do something. Or my gals and we're going to go do something or wherever in between. You don't have to doggedly pursue just because you're supposed to doggedly pursue. Yeah. And sometimes that's a turnoff again. It's the cat and the mouse. You want to go back and forth, pursue them them a little bit, and then take a step back and allow them to pursue you. And then it's this back and forth. If you're always pursuing someone, technically you're chasing them and they're running away from you. So cat and mouse and true chasing is like pulling back a little bit. Like a really another great temp check without having to actually kiss anybody is literally while you're standing there talking, if standing is the is the position this is when you would literally take a step back and see what happens. Because if you take a step back and they take a step forward, that is a huge indication of not only rapport, which is what we want to be in, rapport, but also is like that space. There's something about personal space that <clears throat> when someone, when you take a step towards someone and they automatically take a step back, you can tell that you've already entered that, like they don't feel comfortable space anymore. So if you take that step back and they leave the gap, they might actually feel more comfortable now and be like, Oh God, thank you. He gave me more space. Like that's something you can read into. You can also see like, if you take a step back and they step towards you, it's like, Oh, this person's really into me. Because they're okay with me in the six inch range versus some people need that 12, 12 inch range. Now, mind you, I'm a woman, so this might be a little inaccurate in my, my, my gestures here, but you guys know what a good six inches is. Uh, so it's, it's just something to remember is that there are a lot of different ways to gauge your date. And I think that you going in with this intention of just having fun and like kind of hanging out and meeting a new person is totally cool because most people approach first dates like an interview. What's your favorite color? Do you want kids? When do you want to get married tomorrow? Okay, cool. Like I can, and it's like, what, what is happening? There's nothing better than on the first date where you're talking about kids. How many kids do you want? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I was hoping to get to the appetizers first. <laughs> I know. Right? I, oh my I, don't gosh. Even, I don't even know what I want for those, much less what I want out of kids. 
I know. And so many people are like, but I need to get that on the table quick because if they don't want kids and I really do. And it's like, I get that all day. It goes back to that energy, right? You talked about it when you're thinking, oh, I I wasted my time or am I going to have another date on the horizon? I don't have anything lined up. Like that is desperate vibes, y'all. Like let it go. This or something better. And just know that when you cling on to the wrong person, you don't allow space for the right person to come into your life. And when you're constantly trying to have that next date lined up, you're literally telling this person through your energy, I'm not committing. Fucking commit. Like, I'm sorry, I don't know if I can cuss on this. Yeah, in fails, falls, and fuck ups, <laughs> we absolutely abhor cursing. It is I'm verboten. Sorry. Absolutely. I'm highly insulted you even want to. Fuck that. I have a potty mouth and I forget sometimes. So what I'm getting at is like, commit y'all. Like really, even if you don't know if you'll ever get a date again, first off, that's a, it's a lie that your brain is telling you. It's a full blown lie. There will be someone else. It's that energy though. When you, like you, Bruce, hold this energy of like, I'm here, I'm cool, I'm fun, I'm awesome. Like when you have that, people are attracted and you have like this, this, it's almost like infectious energy that people just want to hang out with you, right? Same thing goes, women feel that too. But if you walk in and you're like, oh my God, first date in a month. Like, uh, oh, is it, is she going to like me? Is she going to like my hair? Did I wear the right shirt? When you have all of that, you're literally self-sabotaging yourself before you even walk in the door. And it's like when people are like, oh, she's not going to like me because I'm short. It's like, well, how do you know? You didn't even give her a chance. You said that before you walked in the door. It's in your head the whole time. It's because I'm short. It's because I'm short. Probably had nothing to do with that. It's probably just because she was feeling a little offness. She's probably like, this guy doesn't, isn't into me. And almost sometimes our own insecurities can make the other person feel like you're picking them apart. So they might be like, oh, this person sees my flaws, but the whole time you're just so wrapped up. The idea is like, just let it go. Walk in, have fun, meet people, and you'll meet the right person. Because it's those who are, like you can see them from across the room. They're just living life and having fun. And you're like, I want to know who that is. I want to go be a part of them. And, but when you see someone who looks self-conscious, it's like you can tell when someone's in their head. It's, it's like you can see it in their eyes. It's like it's just not a turn on. People want to be around people who are living life. So just have fun. Enjoy the process. Now, if you out there, not that I'm the relationship expert, but if you're out there and you have, a tr- and you have trouble, one, you're always in your own head. There's a little something that I also like to suggest, and it's, totally not related to dating. And yet it probably might be the biggest tool you might get to help you take an improv class. It does a couple of things for you. One, it helps you be in the moment Two, It helps you learn how to be a little bit funny on demand. You're probably sitting there going like, well, I don't know that I'm funny. I'm not funny. How am I going to be funny? Well, it's a learned skill. Everything's a learned skill. Most things in life, even when somebody seems natural at it, they might have been born with a little bit of an advantage towards it, but they're not as natural at what they're doing as you think they are. They've developed that skill. If you want to be charming, if you want to be able to put things out of your head, if you want to be the short guy, you can just walk into a room of six foot people and dominate the room. Learn how to be a little bit funny, a little bit off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Improv class. One of the best things that you can do for yourself. I second that. Learn the fun of it. And then bring that to everything, especially dating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like getting uncomfortable, 
and being able to routinely get yourself uncomfortable, that's attractive. Like so attractive when people face their fears and get uncomfortable. Plus every woman, and I'm, I'm presuming a lot of men listen to this, but every woman wants to laugh. And if you can make her laugh, it doesn't matter how tall, short, fat, skinny, whatever you are. Like it, that only matters for a, a limited amount of time. We all get fat and old in the end anyways. Well, we all get old. <laughs> so it's like, just let that go and have fun. Because I swear to you, if you make her laugh, she will walk away from that evening and be like, damn, man, I've been on a lot of dates and some of these guys have been hot, but he made me laugh. And I, he made me feel good. He listened to my stories. That's what they're looking for. They want to connect with somebody. Like, remember that some people, predominantly females, but some people, women, they don't connect on a physical level until they can fully connect on a emotional level. It's called a demisexual. You have to connect on a physical or an emotional level before you can even think about being physical with somebody. And so just remembering that if she's not given vibes right off the bat that she, you know, wants to link, wants to wants to hook up or whatever your terminology is that you want to stand by, you know, it could be that you just haven't given her enough of that emotional vulnerability yet. And if you do connect on an emotional level, you might be more likely to see results because she's going to be able to like you might feel a shift just because on date one, on night one, you're like, oh, she's she's not interested physically, at least. It might just need time. Some people need to warm up because they need to build trust. I mean, remember, a huge number of people on this dating market have experienced, especially now that we have online dating, you're more likely than not, almost everyone you're going to go on a date with has some sort of trauma around sexuality, men and women, where they feel like they've been used and abused in the past before. And so just remember, it might take people a little bit more time to open up, but it's not that it's a no, it's just a not now, not yet. So one of the things I did want to also point out is one of the things that online dating does is it allows you to have this illusion of being able to select and be really, really picky. And oftentimes this is where you'll get, well, the person is too short. I won't see anybody under five, 10 in real life. That doesn't matter nearly as much. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think they have these preferences that don't really matter because of the personality of the person in the room. So you shouldn't feel intimidated by like, well, you know, I'm not the tallest person because I'm five, eight. It's never made a difference in face to face interactions because my personality doesn't care that I'm five, eight. And that's how you should always carry yourself. Yes. And when you're dating and you run into someone who says, well, I won't date someone over, you can know right off the bat, that's a surface level person and it's not going to be a good relationship. Yeah. Don't be afraid to take notice of the warning signs when someone's very much like, well, normally I just date people who are six foot five. The answer to that is going, well, I wish you luck with the next one. Exactly. Because like, that's just it though. It's like, if this person has an idea in their head, you're not going to convince them otherwise. But The truth is, like, if they think that what they want in a partner is someone who's six foot, someone who's blue eyes, someone who has a certain amount of muscle, someone who you have to understand, like, this person has yet to do the deep work on themselves. Because anyone I've ever met who has done the deep work on themselves, they want someone who's kind, 
generous, thoughtful, compassionate. Like they don't care what the package is. They want the heart on the inside. And if you're finding that this person is, well, I want you to look a certain way, dress a certain way, or be a certain height or whatever, first off, there's only so much you can actually change about how you look. And second, how much are you willing to change who you are for this person that it cares so, it's such surface level. It's like we just take that as like a huge red flag and just, no, it's okay. Move on to the next. Because like, it's just, it's never going to change. And if they're like, oh, I usually date men over six foot and you're only five, five, but you got a great personality and like, I'll just try it out. Like, no, don't just try me out, honey. Like go, because at the end of the day, she's always going to have that in the back of her mind, but he's not six foot, but I wish he's six foot. Oh, look at him. He's six foot. Like just, mm mm-mm. That's a quick way to weed people out. I'm so happy to be the compromise that you're currently making for the time being. Right? Like, to be very honest, like, I used to be that person. Not the six foot. I really did. I don't know what the height thing is. I've never cared about height. But I used to think I wanted someone who was fit. Not because they looked a certain way, but because I knew that to get to that shape, you have to have certain disciplines. You have to be disciplined with your food and your water and your workouts. And so for me, it was like, oh, that's what I loved. And I was, I'm into like the fact like, oh, this person obviously plans out their meals. They plan out their life. They can follow the schedule. They can, you know, and, and so it was like the habits of a fit person is what I really loved. But I didn't know that till I really dove in and then like come full circle to, I've been with my partner for over seven years now. And I never in a million years would have guessed that he would have been my partner because he's 27 years older than I am. And most people are like, what? And I'm like, yeah, but I made the list of everything I wanted in a, in a person. It was always the characteristics, right? Compassionate, loving, thoughtful, hardworking, and high integrity, like these things. And like, I didn't, it was when I let go of like, it has to look a certain way. That's when I finally found that person. When I finally let go of like, I know best for myself. I know what I look for. And like, now I look at him every day and I swoon over him. I'm just like, oh God, you're so sexy. And most people, it's not their ideal of sexy. But for me, I see the heart and I see who he is and how he treats me and how he makes me feel. So just know that it's not that they're a bad person if they're looking at the external stuff. It's just an indication of where they are on their personal growth journey. Because we all go through the phases, but a lot of people get stuck in like, I want them to look a certain way and just know that is usually an unworthiness. Usually that's that person, again, back to the beginning conversation of like, they're usually propping their own value is on the look of the relationship, the status of the relationship. Like, oh, you're wealthy. I want you on my side. I want to tell people you're my partner because then I can prop myself up on this falsified status. Or like if you're handsome, I get to tell people, oh, he's my my partner. She's my woman. Because look how beautiful she is. That just makes me look better. But it's all false. It's all fake. It's all false. At the end of the day, when you find someone who's like, I love you because you come home to me at the end of the night because you text me in the morning because you, you know, those little things, those are fucking healthy and fulfilling relationships. And you will never experience a true sense of like security and love in your partnership until you get into a relationship where the looks don't matter. And it's all about that person's inside, like who they are, how they show up in this world. That's a lovely thought. 
So now I'm going to encourage you to give some final bits of advice or thoughts to the audience. What do you have to leave with all of these, whoever they are, with their hopes and dreams of a relationship that will warm the cockles of their heart, if indeed their hearts have cockles? That's such a great word. I need to write that down and use it more often. Cockles needs to be in this world more. So my piece for you is if you are navigating dating right now, the first thing, because I'm a very tactical person, I want to give you steps, things to do. First thing you need to do, write a list. List everything that you want in your future ideal partner. Start with the insides, then work your way to the outsides. List everything. If you want to get detailed about how they look, awesome, because we want to put an order into the universe that's very specific, right? Second thing that you want to do is make a second list. What do you have to offer this person? And it's very specific, right? We don't walk into a burger joint and order a burger and not pay for it. Like there is an exchange of goods happening. So a lot of people will make the first list like, oh, I want her to be this, this, this. I want her to earn this, 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 or I want him to have this much money and be six foot and six pack abs and six figures, whatever it is. That's usually the list and they stop. But the second list is really, really powerful because sure, you want this person to bring this stuff to the table for you, but what are you willing to give them? Because when we sit down and look at those lists, oftentimes the first list is going to be real long and the second list is going to be real short. And that's where you're going to start to see, oh, that's why dating has not been working for me. Because here I'm asking a lot of everybody that I go on and dates with and I'm at my very poignant list. But then what am I offering them? Like really stopping and thinking of this list, this ideal partner, if I was to meet them today, am I the type of person that they want to be with? Could I maintain a relationship with somebody like this? Like these are more important questions to ask. And when you have these two lists, now you have them, you've completed them, put them somewhere you can see them every single day and read through them. I, I recommend the mirror in the bathroom, just tape it right up there and look at these every day. Because now what's going to happen is when you walk around, when you go to work, you go to the coffee shop, you, you're going through life, you're going to notice the people who fit your list. You used to be looking, a lot of people do the I don't list where they're like, I don't want someone who, who smokes. I don't want someone who, and they list all the things they don't want in a partner. And that's all they ever see because we have the reticular activating system. It is a part of our brain that gets turned on when we draw attention to something and we start to see more of it. So this list, these lists are really going to draw attention to what do you want in this partner? And now you're going to start to see more people that are kind and compassionate or whatever it is that's on your list. You're going to start seeing more of that. Review your list before you go on these dates and just set an intention. When you go on dates, set an intention to have fun and be yourself. And when you do these things, you will find that things will just start coming to you more easily and effortlessly because you're just being yourself. You're showing up. You know what you have to offer and you are very clear on what it is you're looking for. And when you have those in place, dating will get a lot easier. Oh, and leave your house because when you're home all the time, it doesn't help. You need to go out and about in this world to meet people. <laughs> there it is. Leave the house, be yourself, and don't just be placing orders to the universe as if you yourself are exempt. Thank you so much, Jaina. And now at the end, at the final moment, I encourage you, as I encourage all of my guests, to 
grossly, horribly, with malice aforethought, plug yourself. Just throw it all out there, whatever it is. Where can people find you? Where are you? Why are you? Ooh, powerful. I am all over the place. Um, I guess the best place is to really find me and learn about me since social media is not a huge fan of me and the material I put out because I'm a little more risque when it comes to talking about love and intimacy. So all the platforms are a little rough. So if you just go to Jaina, J-A-Y-N-A, swan like the bird, S-W-A-N.com. You'll probably find these in show notes or somewhere. Um, it's just my name. You go to janaswan.com. You can read all about me. You can find all my different links there. Um, or you can look on any, any podcasting platform and search Happy Healthy Horny. And that is my podcast, Happy Hor Healthy Horny Podcast with Jaina. We talk about mental health, physical health, and sexual health. And I guarantee you will have some takeaways there that will also help you with your dating life. Well, there was a lot of food for thought for your dating palate. Now... If there was a question that you wished I'd asked Jane in regards to dating or relationships or just anything in particular, drop it in the comments. I'm sure she'll respond. Now, as for me, not only will I respond, but you can find me at all of my socials and they're at Bruce Naxon. And also subscribe to the podcast. Follow the YouTube channel. Oh, and speaking of food, next week is Chef Al Romano. We're going to go deep on what it's like to really work in the food industry. And if we're lucky, I'll even share his special secret recipe on two-legged mutton. Even if they made 10% on a $20 item, that's $2 put in, in their pocket. Um, like, so, say, like they're selling a burger for 10 bucks, right? 10, that's a dollar. So think about how many burgers they'd have to sell to, to make, you know, a decent, you know, pay, a, a payoff, you know?